Do you ever want to watch a bad movie? Do you ever hate yourself so much that you want to put on a movie that makes you want to rip out your own eyeballs? Welcome to the worst movies ever. Probably. My name's Dottie James and I am a big, big scaredy cat when it comes to horror film. And I'm Patty Walters and I'm the opposite of what she just said. So we compromised and we decided to watch really terrible horror films. And this is a really terrible horror film. So when relevant, we like to include some trigger warnings over here. And this movie is one of those movies. So uh, trigger warnings for this include self-harm and suicide. It is just all throughout this movie, every moment of this movie. But equally, uh, this is a bit of a pandemic film. So if you are not coping well throughout this COVID-19 reality we've found ourselves in, then also do be warned. But with that out of the way, there are three things that I say at the beginning of every single one of these podcasts. Firstly, Halloween is soon, so stay the fuck inside, please, oh God, oh man, oh God, oh man. And secondly, there is a very important election just around the corner, and if you are a U.S. citizen and you can vote, do vote. It is so very important. I have done so, and you absolutely must. And thirdly, we are going to spoil every single ridiculous moment of this film. So if you uh, do not want to have the happening spoiled for you, do not go any further. But maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. If you want to just hear us talk about it with our incredible friend, then stick around. The guest on this podcast is our wonderful friend, Josh Edwards. If you want to find him on Twitter, he is at underscore Josh Edwards underscore. He's a wonderful man. He is an artist manager by trade and um, he manages our wonderful friend Dodie. Um, but yeah, he's got some incredible opinions on this terrible film. So let's just jump into the episode. So so I, I rented this film um, as I'm sure you are aware that it's not available for free on any of our streaming services. Um, That's correct. And yes. there's a there's a little button that Amazon al- applies, which is that if you've purchased this by accident, please click this. And after watching it for an hour and a half, I thought, is it too late to go back? <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's so much. There is so much to unpack. In such a short film, it's only an hour and a half and it felt like three days. Like, yeah, <laughs> I feel like you've been on their journey with them in a it's, bad way. In a in bad, bad way. way. Let's set the scene. Our film begins uh, with the opening credits. White clouds, blue skies fade from saturated to sinister. And so too does the score until it stops. And we cut to Central Park, New York City. At 8.33 a.m. It's specific. Perhaps suspiciously specific. (laughs) It's a perfectly perfect kind of day. Uh, What a beautiful day for a stroll through Central Park. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. Uh, A perfectly innocent breeze blows through the perfectly innocent trees. They're not up to anything at all. Why would they be? They're They're trees. trees. Don't be weird. Stop being weird. We see two women sat on a park bench reading. Uh, We'll call them Claire and not Claire. Because we get Claire's name. We don't get not Claire's name. So she's just not Claire. I forget where I am, says Claire. Not Claire. 
unbelievably helpfully can recall the exact part of the book that her friend has reached. Uh, With no thought, she just launches into exactly where she is. Also, what book is this? I know. What book is this woman reading? So not Claire. Here's a distant scream. Did you hear that? Says not Claire, looking across the park. Not Claire's face shows only mild confusion as she calmly delivers the lines, that's weird. It looks like those people are clawing at themselves. Followed by the also very calm delivery of is that blood not claire here's another scream the whole park is standing still frozen claire claire says not claire more urgent now that's good claire ever forgetful claire classic claire asks what page was i on again pauses and then adds just simply page i hate this so much um at which point we're shown a close-up of a metal hair chopstick and Claire (laughs) slips it out of her hair and plunges the hairpin into her neck. It's gruesome, but judging by not Claire's reaction, not out of the ordinary either. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is just Claire. This is yeah. what she does. Kooky yeah. Claire. Exactly. Kooky Claire. <laughs> Claire on a Monday morning. As her friends call her. So I'm going to go to the park today. Who are you going to go and see? Oh, so I, I was going to tell Claire to finish her book. I'm yeah. not Kooky Claire. Not yeah. Kooky Claire. That. Who knows what she'll do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remember she never time, remembers she where she is in her book. teeth out. Of her <laughs> <book>. <laughs> oh, Claire. So now we cut to a hustling, bustling New York City street. Uh, the on-screen text informs us that we're now three blocks from Central Park and that it's also 8.59 a.m. Uh, a group of builders are stood on a construction site and we join them at the punchline of a terrible joke. I looked up what the actual joke is in full. And mm-hmm. it's not funny. It's not funny, is it? <laughs> Great. <laughs> it requires no response whatsoever and they like laugh at it. They loved it. Yeah. They responded to that more than they responded to the death of their colleague yes exactly so the builders are all laughing out of amusement or pity when Mm -hmm. slam a body collides with the concrete at 100 miles an hour their smiles fade and one man let's call him builder who is also not claire uh says (laughs) christ mackenzie fell uh, just as the builders call for an ambulance, another body and another body and another body fall from the construction site. Builder, who is also not Claire, is bummed. And he looks up and he sees a sea of bodies walking the plank and falling all around him like person-sized snowflakes. Did let the bodies hit the floor come out before this or after Yeah, this? definitely before Ooh. this. Yeah, big time. The um, The thing that I have about that is that when that first death happens... His response is like, oh, like Mackenzie's dead. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to radio in. And he's like, oh, he's dead. So that made me think two things. Right. One. Right. One. This happens too often yes. for this building company. Kooky Mackenzie, brother, brother of Kooky Claire. <laughs> the Kooky family. Yeah. His response is so like, oh. Oh, he's gone. Right. And then someone else dies. And he's like, oh, no. It's 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 so short away from being like Austin Powers slapstick-esque. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. it's being like, no, not again. Not yeah, again. right. Yeah, yeah. And then he says, and then he says, give him some room. Yes. I know. <laughs> and they step back like an inch because they weren't really yeah. that close to begin with. Not really. <laughs> um, next scene, uh, 9.45 a.m., 
We're at a Philadelphia high school in the classroom of teacher Elliot Moore, played by Mark Wahlberg. Honeybees are disappearing all over the country, says Mr. Moore, presumably a science teacher. That or he's just a way off topic PE teacher. (laughs) Either way, the kids are not interested. Mr. Moore asks for their theories around why the bees are dying. Uh, Perhaps a virus, says one student. Mr. Moore just shuts that shit down. Uh, Perhaps pollution, (laughs) says another. And he just shuts it down, too. Uh, He takes a third suggestion. Global warming, perhaps. Maybe, replies Mr. Moore, uh, before turning his wrath on Jake. Uh, He's a cool, confident-looking 15-year-old student. uh, And he's about to be... He's easily 28. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we'll go there. And he's about to be the victim of an unnecessary attack from his adult teacher. Mr. Moore suggests that Jake ought to care more about science. Otherwise, uh, your nose will grow and make you ugly or something. Thing. Um, yeah. This does, however, spark a sudden yet fleeting interest in bees out of this boy. Uh, an act of nature and will never fully understand it, says the boy. Uh, Mr. Moore is impressed by this. The vaguest, most unscientific answer <laughs> yeah. thus far. It's a very strange scene. Given that bees don't have anything to do with the plot, do they? No. no. It's, the, it's the wind no. in the trees. That's the whole thing. Well, that's what I mean, because like the whole premise of his films are there's a twist. There's no twist. So if you're going in like thinking so much about bees, then <laughs> yes, that's a twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I Yeah. To your point of him being like presumably a biology teacher, perhaps something other. Yeah. I thought that the entire yeah. time. Yeah. Because when um, John Leguizamo comes in <laughs> a little bit later, he's like fucking love being a man yeah yeah. You, uh, yeah what what julian is john leguizamo's character yes, and you're right it's it. like him being a math teacher that like informs his sort of his character and his his mannerisms whereas mm. like the biology teacher in elliot just makes him like skeptical of everything yeah and it's not like a fun character trait and you're like lead character it's like frustrating yeah he's just dubious of all things yes he and asks like, well, he so is such many a questions there's nothing to him no i could not Every- tell you what elliot likes to do on the weekend yeah exactly other than like make it sound like he's lying constantly <laughs> yeah. right because any time that someone asks him a question he's like no 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 what no no, no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's like, what have you got behind your pocket, Elliot? Like, what have you got? Worth it. (laughs) Like, you sure it's not bees? (laughs) It might be bees. It's definitely bees. (laughs) So the door to the PE lab opens. Um, The the vice principal walks in. Uh, Mr. Moore proceeds to, for some reason, publicly bully this woman in front of all all of his students. Jokingly crouching behind their desks, he mumbles something like, the dark lord don't look into her eyes uh we follow mr moore and the vice principal to an auditorium uh where all the teachers are gathered the principal uh has an announcement to make we learn three things from the ensuing scene uh number one that central park has been hit with a terrorist attack number two that they think it's a fatal airborne toxin and number three that cameron fry perhaps in rebellion against his childhood friend ferris bueller uh <laughs> grew up to be a high school principal. Is that canon? Is this canon? I suppose so. Definitely <laughs> canon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The stages of which he goes through is <laughs> loss of speech, disorientation, fatality. Yeah. yeah. I just don't think they should have left the school if they're being <laughs> yeah. told that there's like an airborne toxin yeah. potentially or a terrorist attack. 
don't go no. anywhere. This happens like, a number of times is, and, and it happens. Mm. And, and like the further we get into the film, the more everybody becomes aware of the fact that this is not only airborne, which we know at the start of the movie, but we start yep. to suspect plants and wind and, and we, we continue to go outside. It's fucking mental. And it becomes more green as the it film does. goes along. It does. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know this already. Why are you standing next to a tree? There's a bit, sorry, there's a bit later on where there's the woman on the phone. Her daughter's about to kill herself. Very sad. And mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg tells her to tell her daughter not to go near the window with the tree. Yeah. Whilst he mm-hmm. is stood next to a bush. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. No, but we'll get there. <laughs> so Elliot Moore goes back into the classroom. He dismisses everybody, but not before asking, what are the rules of scientific investigation? <laughs> and the class snap back with a catchy identify variables, bees, uh, design an experiment, <laughs> careful observation and measurement, blah, 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 interpretation of whatever. Um, students file out. We see a blackboard and on it, a quote on if the bees were to disappear, then humans would be extinct in four years. Bees, you say? Mm, must be something to do with the bees. Bees? <laughs> not a, I'd, I'd argue not a single fucking bee. No. Where have all the bees gone? I mean, I guess that is what he's asking. The there's, thing. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's more lions in this film than there are bees. Yes. Yeah. Very, oh, very that. True. That impos- oh, I need to. I yeah, I'm to excited. Oh, yeah, I feel like every single moment we're like, oh, there's this. And you're like, wow, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> so next thing we know, a fellow teacher appears at the classroom door. It's Julian, played by John Leguizamo. Uh, Julian's just gotten off the phone with his hysterical mother, funniest woman in Philadelphia. Um, she claims <laughs> he claims that it's good being a math it's- teacher sometimes because you can throw percentages at people and comfort them. To which I would add, yeah, when they're good percentages, yeah. yes, <laughs> highly circumstantial. There's a ninety-nine percent chance that you're going to mm. die. Yeah. Oh, I feel yeah. very comforted. Comforted. Thank you. At Thank least you so I much. know. That this looks really bad. <laughs> so Julian tells Elliot that his hilarious mother uh, has offered uh, a place to stay outside of the city and that Elliot and someone called Alma uh, are both mm-hmm. welcome to join him if they want to. Elliot's going to think about it. Uh, we cut to Elliot thinking about it, walking through the <laughs> high school corridor. He's on the phone to this Alma that we've heard so little about. And I guess she's down to evacuate the city because Elliot and Julian are now making plans to get the fuck out of Philly. Uh, we learn that Julian thinks that Alma sucks. And yeah. yep. we later yeah. find out that she kind of does. Yeah, yeah. she kind of does suck. But yeah. so is this the bit where he tells him about the wedding? The wedding day, yeah. So mm-hmm. just not the right place to have that conversation. If you're about to no. like tell your friend that their wife doesn't want to be married to them. <laughs> Never did. Yeah. It's yeah. not in the middle of a school entryway. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot of conversations. This is why I said it's like, there's a lot of scenes that happen yeah. and none of it seems to cut together at right. all. Yeah. It's that it feels like everyone is having a conversation and saying something, but they're just saying their lines and the person reciprocating with that is saying their lines yes. back and they say, cut, we move on. Because not a single moment has happened where someone says something and that person has learned something. Yes. They've just gone, they've just gone, that was information. Thank you so much. You're so right. They don't learn Next anything. Scene. They they get told a heck of a lot of information about how to survive this mm. and ignore yeah. all of it. <laughs> all of it. So I just fact checked myself on the on the on the trivia because it's it's interesting that you say 
that it feels like just this like succession of just random conversations and events. This fe- mm-hmm. so this I remember reading this. This film was shot sequentially, so it was shot in wow. order. Wow. Um, and that Why? and at no point, no one ever went. I think we need to rewrite yeah, right. this bit. <laughs> so next scene: Zoe Deschanel, aka Alma. AKA the most boring character in this entire movie (laughs) is sat watching the news. Her phone rings and it's an incoming call from someone called Joey. Very sus. She doesn't answer. Mm. Also sus. Um, Elliot walks into the front door, (laughs) not into the front door. He walks through the front door. (laughs) Yeah. They forgot to cut. (laughs) This, uh, this biology teacher is struggling already. I wish that happened. (laughs) It would instantly become my favorite this film This does not ever. bode well for him nor anyone else involved. Uh, so Elliot walks through the front door. They briefly turn on the news, which explains that the deaths are caused by a neurotoxin, mm-hmm. uh, which flips the self-preservation switch within the brain. Elliot packs his bags, uh, snatching up a large mood ring from the <laughs> nightstand. He puts it on. Because he is yeah. 11 years old. So. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How's he going to know how he's feeling? How are we going to know? how he's feeling yeah. he doesn't express any emotions well, it is cheap. <laughs> that's why he's wearing it and it's a cheap oh, looking it's mood so ring as well. cheap. it's, it's the worst it's also i've never yeah. seen a mood ring that looks like that they're usually just like round no they're mm-hmm. just like it's round the color all the way around yeah. usually isn't it yeah that's what i thought yeah so where the f- flip he got that from <laughs> i don't know why i didn't want to swear Censored yourself. where the fuck where he got the that flip? from yeah. right. this movie is short away from people just using words like flip oh yeah big time well, funnily enough that you say that, People funnily buy. enough that you say that, according to IMDb, this is M. Night Shyamalan's only R-rated film. Which surprises me. I think there is one scene in particular that probably made it the R-rated, yeah. um, which is ch- shooting a child in the face <laughs> and oh, yeah. shooting another one just point blank in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be the yeah. case, but I mean, Grim. sure. So we're at a train station. It's busy. Elliot joins Julian and his daughter, Jess, as they turn to watch the news playing on a large screen in the crowded train station. Uh, Alma joins the group. Mm. Smiling, she greets Julian, who compares buying a train ticket to a Cabbage Patch doll in the 80s or some shit. Yep. Julian <laughs> says he's glad that Alma chose to come. This, for some reason, upsets Alma. She pulls Elliot away, berating him for sharing their problems with his friend, then immediately saying pretty coldly that she'll be getting on the train now since they're not sitting together anyway. Not thanking Julian for getting these tickets, by the way. That bugs me. Yeah. Yeah. She is mm. rude. rude. She's super rude. 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 The whole yeah. time. So meanwhile... In Rittenhouse Park, Philadelphia, at 11.31 a.m., the wind blows ominously through the trees. Uh, Traffic around the park is at a standstill as a cop approaches a stationary car and says, Chilly, isn't it today, Sal? To which Sal, a random guy, replies, (laughs) maybe a little. Uh, (laughs) End of that conversation. I have a theory. (laughs) I like to think that he is the only cab driver in all of Philadelphia. Hardest working working cab driver in the whole damn city. I want a spin-off film about Cop and Sal and their relationship. Also, if it's chilly, 
Sal and Cop are in yep. short sleeve shirts and Sal has the <laughs> right. window open. It's not that cold. <laughs> so we now cut to the sidewalk. Everyone's standing still. We have seen this before. Did not go well. Suddenly, the cop shoots himself in the forehead. His gun <laughs> falls to the ground and is then picked up by his old friend, Sal, uh, who too shoots himself in the head. <laughs> then a woman walks over. She picks up the same gun. She shoots herself. Everyone is very, very cold. Yep. That's what I take from this scene. Yeah. Everyone's he just, very cold. He just really was just like, <laughs> yeah. you get it. <laughs> you get what's going to happen. Mm. This gun's going to go around the city you, until you it's understand. empty. <laughs> so now we're on the train. Alma's on the phone to Joey. Uh, she's saying that she feels like the fatal attraction guy that Joey has to, quote, chill out. Uh, it sounds intense. Uh, we find out that Joey is a man that she ate tiramisu. Tiramisu with- one <laughs> single time. And that's literally it. So, yeah, Joey so needs to have. chill the fuck out. Yeah. So, yeah, we've talked yeah. about we this. We talked about this because I was the day. like. I, I have no, mm. I have no like patience for people cheating. Like that's not okay. And yeah, you pointed out, it's like, mm-hmm. she lied about it. Clearly she has like more feelings. That's fine. I just think for the purpose of a film where you want to create <laughs> a shady sort of, she's having an affair narrative, then at least like make her mm-hmm. have an affair. Right. So these, these are not real people. Yeah. You're not ruining a real relationship. Just write the shady character as an actual it's shady character. It's a fictional character, character that we yeah. already don't like. Just go all in. Yeah. And the more the more times I watch this film, especially like analytically, there's just nothing to like about this woman. No. It's not Zoe Deschanel's performance. Mm. It's just she is a like unlikable character. She doesn't do and she doesn't offer yeah. any sort of help. Throughout this thing, she's completely dependent on other people to save the day. Oh, and that's yeah. very when we get to the, And then when we get to the end of the film, and she, there's like a relationship between Alma and Jess, it's like nobody earned this shit. Right. Can we talk about their relationship quickly? Because yeah. it does, it very quickly raises its head at the train station. Right. Yeah. Before 100%. they've got on the train, she clearly fucking hates Julian for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Right. But his daughter, right? I guess she has a relationship yeah. with. She's like, how are you doing, Jess? And Jess is like, I'm hanging in there. And then she's like, same. And she like touches mm-hmm. her hand in a yeah. way that suggests that they're like... Kindred spirits. Yeah, connected. And I hate yeah. it. See, the thing is, I, I like the idea of Jess as a character. I like that she's just withdrawn. She, she doesn't owe anybody her honesty or her like open emotions. Jess is cool. But mm-hmm. like nobody's good enough for this person. Like everybody fails this girl. Everybody no. fails this child all yes. throughout this movie. Everyone. Yes. Her parents. So her mum's late and her dad's like, do you know what? Fucking just get on a train earlier. Like, cause my best mates much higher in the rankings. Well, it's than- also just like, okay, so you see the car that Julian goes to Princeton in, mm. right? Yeah. He has, he, he has take- he has a huge front so seat. Just put your daughter on your lap, you fucking weirdo. It's Just like a don't priority. don't leave this girl. <laughs> like they're going to different states. Like Princeton's in New Jersey for fuck's sake. Yes, like I know. It's just crazy. 
You're such a bad father. It's very, very weird exactly. priorities. So much space. It's like she's a small child. You've been carrying very her small. around. We have not actually seen her on the ground yet up until no, this point. No, carrying her. <laughs> it's like in someone's arms, sat down. This girl is portable. Yes. <laughs> If there's one thing we know about Jess, that's it. So meanwhile, on another train carriage, uh, our only more mildly more interesting characters learn that two more parks have happened, air quotes. After a They've passing happened. of some yeah, time. I was going to say, is that what we're calling it? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> after a passing of some time, uh, the train slows to a stop and all passengers disembark. Elliot asks a crew member what's going on. The crew member informs Elliot that the train's service has been discontinued. That's not enough information for Elliot, main character and otherwise not at all interesting guy. He pushes further. Where are we? He asks. Filbert, Pennsylvania, the crew member replies. And then Elliot says, why are you giving me one useless piece of information at a time? And I'm like, maybe because you asked both of those questions. But also they've lost contact with everybody at, I don't know, on the train radio or something. So that's not great. Doesn't bode well. Everybody from the train is packed into a crowded restaurant. Nothing super interesting happens at first. We just assign more importance to this fucking mood ring for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> some guy at the Philadelphia Zoo is feeding himself to lions and they rip his arms off. And also they establish on the news that the happening, quote unquote, isn't happening not 90 miles from here. And everyone tears off in their cars to get to 90 miles from there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's a pretty boring scene. Quickly boring unpacking scene. it, just it's a very boring Please. scene in general. I, the things that I enjoyed was this woman sat next to Mark Wahlberg, just going, "Hey, look at this murder <laughs> my sister sent me." It comes from nowhere. Yeah, it's like yeah. Yeah. she just turns to this stranger. Yeah, yeah. It's like, do you want to see a man get ripped apart by lions? <laughs> just very quickly, um, how does everyone now have a car? when they Took all were a abandoned train. at a train station. Right. Yeah. I just don't understand. That's I really, hadn't thought about that. Really good point. It was just that all of a sudden, everyone's just like gone out to their auto trader. They've got on a car now. They're all driving, yeah. sharing lifts. And he like, but not so, you're so right. I just hadn't thought about that. And that's super weird. But the way he asked I prefer lift. I prefer the version of this film where Sal didn't kill himself and he has to drive every person would, out of Philadelphia <laughs> one by that. one. So Elliot, Alma, Julian, and Jess struggle to get a ride out of Filbert, PA because people are being total assholes about it and driving off with loads of empty seats until they finally get a ride with a couple who run a plant nursery just up the street. Uh, Julian is called over to the car. He says that he can't reach his wife over the phone. So he's going to go and look for her in the other car. Elliot and Julian play percentages ping pong with each other, reassuring each other that it's all going to be all right. Alma reaches for Jess's hand when Julian says, don't take my daughter's hand unless you mean it. And Alma just backs the fuck away. And she's like, you're right. I was just trying to be nice. I don't want to have any part of your daughter's life. You called me. You called me on it. Yeah, it's all good. Um, yeah. I wrote down because we were talking about Sal, the taxi driver, and I didn't oh, yeah. write down, uh, the name he's credited as, but it's something like Sal, the taxi driver, but I wrote down my favorite three character names. So, okay. Go in order of least favorite to my most favorite, most favorite is going to be last is older woman with dog, <laughs> a student <laughs> named Laura. 
<laughs> and wow, I don't no, remember no. her. And my favorite is woman with hands over her ears. When does that happen? Woman with when? hands over her ears is the when they're walking through the field and the army private and they're fi- oh, they're shooting oh. each other in the field oh. and she's covering she's her ears something. because of the the loud gunshot blasts and that is Is that what it says in the script? So in the credits this oh, the woman credits. in the credits this woman is gotcha. called yeah. woman with hands over her ears. Oh, so wow. uh, we cut yeah. to the plant nursery. Elliot, Alma, and Jess walk through the greenhouse. Uh, This this man comes in absolutely gushing about hot dogs. Like, (laughs) this dude (laughs) fucking loves Loves hot dogs more than he loves anybody else in his life. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's asking if everybody likes hot dogs, just one by one, leaving everybody uh, little choice but to agree with this madman. Hot dog guy then abruptly changes the subject. He knows exactly what's causing this. It's the plants. Uh, they release chemicals. And now he's talking about hot dogs again. Yes. <laughs> Already. He's solved the happening. In like he, two sentences. Yeah. He's like, can we please just start talking about hot dogs again? And then he eats one hot dog. That's the thing that annoys me about this is that he eats one hot dog <laughs> yeah. in this entire film. I wanted every single scene. Like he's driving with one hand chowing down a few dogs <laughs> or because like, <laughs> we don't see his death it's just implied that he yeah. takes his life with everybody else mm. i want hot dog a hot dog death. related death <laughs> big time choking. Yeah, yeah choking or mm. he's just like shoving them up his nose <laughs> and just like fight like trying to strangle himself with a hot drowning dog drowning himself in, in mustard <laughs> <laughs> that's what this film is missing a hundred percent but also so he yeah he nails what is actually causing this oh yeah mm-hmm. very early on Immediately. into the film we know what this is they yeah. obviously forget that information quite quickly no he yeah these two people have solved the happening and they proceed yeah. to stay outside <laughs> surrounded by grass and they're in a plant nursery yeah. like right now I know that's <laughs> it but yeah no the the next thing that happens at the end of the scene is that his wife you know approaches yeah out of oh, breath yeah. Yeah, yeah having yeah. got the mustard yeah it's <laughs> excellent goes, did you get the mustard she points to the bag she's so out of breath she's going yeah, yeah. <laughs> this girl's just run a fucking marathon like there wasn't mustard in the house she has had to run to walmart run. come back with the Go. mustard the oh, thing that it. would make me be like, okay, this guy is officially crazy if she runs back with like a loose bag of mustard. <laughs> she's she's yeah. holding it in her hand. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> just like slaps it on. That's great. Oh, God. So the next scene, Julian is in the other car hoping to locate his wife. They enter Princeton and it's a ghost town. Uh, That is until they drive further and come across some abandoned yard equipment, some propped up ladders, and finally, bodies. Four bodies suspended over the road, hanging from the trees. A woman in the car with Julian starts screaming. Totally fair reaction. I'm here for it. Yep. Mm. Um, the first one. Yeah. The first one as well. <laughs> the first normal reaction. To- yeah. I had to I even wrote that myself. down. Did you? <laughs> I wrote 32 minutes in. First actual reaction. I love it. <laughs> so to distract her, Julian assigns her homework. Um <laughs> While she's working on it, uh, Julian tells everyone to plug the air vents in the car so they don't inhale the neurotoxin. Uh, The woman's bad at math. 
takes her a while. Uh, when she finally gets the answer, it's wrong, but she's calm. But what's that? A whistling can be heard from the convertible. The wind is getting in through a tear in the roof. Uh, the car stops, then it starts again and drives its passengers straight into a tree. At least two bodies are catapulted through the vehicle's windshield, uh, but Julian miraculously survives, but only so he can just kill himself with shards of glass. Yeah. yeah. So that's fun. So next scene, uh, we're on the road with Van Man and the gang, my favorite band. Um, suddenly they think they see- your list, please, Josh. <laughs> Van Man and yeah. the gang. Suddenly, everybody thinks they can see dead animals in the road up ahead. In order to check whether it's animals or humans from a distance, Van Man's wife casually announces, you've got binoculars in the back from when you were spying on our neighbors, which is a whole other story that we're just never going to know about. But it's also the first fragment of character development that I can buy into. I can believe yes. that this man spies on his neighbors Perhaps with the binoculars. the neighbors were a burger family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they look through the binoculars. They are dead bodies, people bodies. Um, they return to the car and bump into Private Oster, a nervous army man and my favorite character in this whole movie. <laughs> yes. Um, he informs them that the army base has been affected. Bodies all up in the barbed wire. And, and the van inform, yeah, and the van inform the army private of the bodies they've just seen. And then he replies, cheese and crackers. And it is excellent. This is supposed to be a hardened soldier. Right. So a third <laughs> vehicle and arrives and then a fourth and then a fifth. Yeah, really quickly. Like everyone just left at the same time. This is a very popular crossroads in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Waiting in the car, Elliot and Alma check their phones. Uh, they can't get through to Julian. Also, Alma has a missed call from Tiramisu Joe. <laughs> Elliot asks, who's that? She replies, it's no one. And it's like, that's always a suspicious reply. Yeah. But it's like. In a time like this, we need just like some fucking solidarity here. It's like, be real. But I mean, we get there. We get yeah. there. But just like come up with a better lie. It's like, come on. So the scene develops. Uh, a woman is on the phone talking to her daughter in Princeton. And we learn that Princeton has been affected. Everyone outside is dead. And daughter Stacy decides to go out and join him. Um, Elliot removes himself to process the information. And when Jess comes to comfort him, the two break down and they cry together. And it's kind of a nice moment. I guess, you know, she whispers to Elliot. So I guess she's like, is it, is it dad? And he's like, yeah. And it's super sad. Can we talk about this death? Bring quickly? it. <laughs> the like, woman is in the middle of this circle of people. They're next to bushes and trees. Yeah, big time. <laughs> and he tells the woman's daughter to, you know, go away from the tree that is outside the but window. Yeah, I mean, so, 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 so Elliot is suspicious of being outside and the plants. But not enough. And he's surrounded by trees. Like, couldn't he have just like been speaking through his shirt going like, don't away from the window. <laughs> Actually, we should all get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Cheese and crackers. Cheese and crackers. So this big old squad, they devise a plan. They're going to head to a small and remote town in two different groups. One led by my favorite character, Private Oster. One led by boring old Elliot. So sucks to be them. Yeah. Alma breaks. Uh, she tells Elliot everything about Joey, a guy from work uh, who she ate dessert with one time on a date. Uh, but it's okay because she's only telling him in case they all die so she doesn't have to feel guilty in the afterlife. Have we not addressed that they only ate tiramisu together? 
Where do right. you go out to yes. just eat tiramisu? <laughs> Did they not have right. a meal before? <laughs> right. That? No, yeah. It's literally like they're implying that the next stage would be this is the end yeah. of the date and we're going to part together. But they're literally no. just like, no, it wasn't even that. It was just, just tiramisu. <laughs> tiramisu is the worst of the desserts. Like, it's not even a nice... <laughs> It's not no. even a sexy dessert to have. Like, you don't, it wasn't yep, like we were sharing no. creme brulee with each other or we had, like, we had a very shareable thing. We had this <laughs> goopy, <laughs> chocolatey nonsense that is slightly coffee-related no, no and no one's it. enjoying no it. So, um, we cut back to the other half yeah. of the crowd. Uh, the group continued to march through the field until Private Oster comes to a halt. Somebody screams. And now he's shouting... My firearm is my Aww. friend. It will not leave my sight. And then he begins to moonwalk and removes <laughs> his gun from his holster. And hot dog guy watches in terror, fearing for the safety of his hot dogs. See, I kind of like scene. the delivery of his lines. I think it makes me sad. At which point uh, we cut back to the other half of our group, the still alive half, to be more specific. And they <laughs> all jump when they hear the loud ring of a gunshot and then a second gunshot. And Elliot delivers a harrowing, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and Alma goes, what? Oh, no. I hate it. It's her. like, okay, let's just leave it. Awful. Um, so everyone just starts falling apart at this point. Like like one woman, specifically woman with hands over her ears, she's screaming, yes. they're dying. And there were children in that group, hands over her ears and everything, just as described. And Alma goes on like some self-righteous power trip here about how they, they have to help and they can't be so shitty then, people. Yeah, we can't be assholes like the people on the news. Yeah. So they, so they run. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> and then they are, in fact, those assholes. So everybody is just falling the fuck apart and everyone's looking towards and just depending on the leadership of the world's most flaccid man, Elliot Some Guy. And when it takes him longer... Then like 10 seconds to solve their problems. Oh my they gosh. literally just walk away from this guy. But they're just, le they're just yeah. leaving him. They it's so weird. They're so insistent on the fact that he comes up with what they do. But um, true to form, Elliot's got a theory. Classic Elliot. Love to see it. Uh, what if it is the plants and they're only releasing the toxin into the air when they feel threatened? What if plants are becoming increasingly sensitive and are starting to kill smaller and smaller groups of people? So their half split into three even smaller halves, otherwise known as sixths. Right. It's the running It's the running from the wind. Oh, God. It's not like a tornado <laughs> no, or it's not it's like... It's just a light uh, whistle. A, you know, a whoosh, a whoosh. as some might say. Yeah. It's like, beware of the whoosh. <laughs> it's just kind of like getting itself into this place of almost slapstick. Yeah. yeah. Like, I want to bring this back where like, if you just put... <laughs> this would be a very different film and I would find it hilarious. Before every death, there's just that music. I love it. <laughs> but fair play to them. They, they do give Outrunning the Wind a real honest effort, but the wind finds these guys pretty much instantly. Uh, but true to Elliot's theory, they're safe in small groups for now. So we follow a small group of five. It's Elliot, Alma, Jess, and they're joined by Jared and Josh, two teenagers. Um, they find temporary shelter in a, I said a model home. That, is that what it is? Yeah. Or is that like a dollhouse? But no, it's, 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 like, um, it's a, uh, houses yeah. that are up for sale. Pretty much. And it's full of like fake glasses of wine 
and fake sushi and mm-hmm. whatever else. And basically, very little happens besides they use the bathroom and Elliot tries to reason with a plastic plant. Oh my gosh, I love this bit. So Elliot calmly and quietly explains to the plastic house plant they just want to use the bathroom and then they'll leaf. Mm. Very good. Thanks. Very True good. to his word, they do. And I don't entirely understand why either because the reason that they give it, when they run out the front door is that they can't stay here. It's close to the roads and more and more people will come here, which isn't untrue, but you're also mm. inside. Yeah. They don't seem yeah. to get the value of inside yet. But maybe it was clever because the immediate next thing we see is a group of like 10 or more people walking right up to this house uh, until their walking stops and they freeze. And as our heroes continue to leave the house behind, Elliot turns around just in time to watch one man from the group walk towards a nearby lawnmower, send it into motion, and finally he lies down flat and lets the lawnmower roll over him like an ocean wave. If ocean waves (laughs) slice and dice you into thousands of pieces. Oh, it's such an unnecessarily lengthy death. Like, <laughs> yeah, they stay on the lawnmower going over him, just like, just like a touch. Too, long. yeah. It's, it's a mixture of things. Yeah, it's either too long or too short. Yeah. it's like either imply or like you've you've really got to go in with yeah, it. Yeah, it's big time because <laughs> it's just it doesn't really feel like it was just necessary. No, and as you said before, how like. The, the deaths just get more and more complex yeah. and convolute. It's like I, I the lawnmower, like, <laughs> sure, the keys are there, but, like, it just feels so unnecessary. If, yeah. It feels like you're waiting for somebody to just, like, solve a Rubik's Cube and then just bash it into their <laughs> face. It's like it's every death takes so much, like, forethought and effort. It's exhausting. Uh, so the gang are running for their lives. At which point, Elliot tries to patch things over just in case they die, taking a page out of Alma's book and says, well, if we're going to die, I want you to know something. I was in the pharmacy a little while ago and I thought about buying a completely superfluous bottle of cough syrup for like six bucks uh, because the pharmacist was cute. And she's like, are you joking? And he nods and he smiles and she goes, she says, she says, thank you. with tears in her eyes. The most... (laughs) fragile relationship <laughs> if they couldn't survive that right yeah oh god honestly they shouldn't be together they no. hate each other really they hate each other. yeah what is their common ground like what do they both like they're both because they boring yes <laughs> <laughs> that's in a way they're perfect for each other yeah yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. they spot a nearby house elliot knocks on the front door uh no one's home Elliot turns around and Alma is pushing Jess on a rope swing, which is tied to a large tree. (laughs) Why are you doing this? Yeah, by this point in the film, we really should just know. We should just know not to be near trees. But then they see that somebody is home after all. Too bad he's a cantankerous old asshole and he's not down (laughs) to help these guys in any way, shape or form. Uh, They turn around to leave, but little Josh, he ain't having any of it. He's uh, fighting grumpitude with grumpitude, and he's shouting, open the door, bitch, and we just want some food for this little girl, you pussies. And then Elliot says, stop that. What are we, a gang now? Yeah, right. And I'm like, I I don't really recall, like, that just being, like, completely part of the canon of gang. Yeah. Just, like, 
banging on door, wanting food yeah. for small girls, yeah. like the Philadelphia <laughs> street gangs. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, Josh's little spiel does work, uh, to be fair. Uh, but the grumpy old man only opens the door so he can fire six bullets into this guy's chest, uh, sending him soaring backwards. And then he points the same long shotgun barrel through the window to shoot Jared in the head. And it's pretty gnarly, to be fair. It's fully gross. Mm-hmm. But then they include this like silly, stupid slow-mo shot of the gun just like slowly <laughs> reversing back into the house. <laughs> (laughs) Like that Homer Simpson gift. It's like, it's not great. Uh, So it's at this very moment that all across the nation, friends and families are glued to their television. Uh, Some are wearing masks uh, locked away in their living rooms. Uh, Some are loading their guns and preparing to shoot the neurotoxin. That's where we're at. Uh, Meanwhile, (laughs) that's also where we're at. That's that's the world. That's where we're at. It's a sad, sad. This morning, I was throwing a boomerang (laughs) up into the sky, (laughs) hoping I could just like catch catch the virus. So meanwhile, meanwhile, our three survivors, who are Elliot, Alma, and Jess, to remind you, um, are still pretty shaken by Josh and Jared's deaths, and they sprint away to find some semblance of safety. I would uh, be so pissed if I was those two boys. Obviously, because they've just been killed, Mm, but also because they've just been killed by someone else. During which there's a pandemic of. You killing yourself, right? Yourself. Actual just murder. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is what I wrote in my notes. I just put, this man just shot two children, yeah. murder, <laughs> and no one is reacting no one accordingly. Knows. Right. <laughs> it's like, that's not okay in this world, especially as the next day things go back to normal. normal. Yeah. Yeah. So the three eventually stumble upon another remote house in the country, but this house clearly has no satellite or even electricity. Um, Elliot hesitantly, understandably, approaches the house and discovers the elderly homeowner on her porch, enjoying her lemon drink from the comfort of her rocking mm-hmm. chair. So these two have an incredibly uncomfortable dynamic. It's It goes back to, I mean, the dialogue is all over the place in this film, but like, I just think yes. that... M. Night Shyamalan's way of dealing with moving scene to scene is having to explain yeah. that, that this is yes. going to happen. So instead of being like, mm-hmm. can we come inside? Like just trying to create some sort of report. I'm going to make her weird by automatically making her standoffish, but also very hospitable at the same time. Oh, yes. yeah. Most hospitable. <laughs> she hates that she's letting them yeah. stay, but she's letting them stay. <laughs> And she wants them to know it. Oddly enough, their evening meal and conversations are surprisingly pleasant. Mrs. Jones tells her guests about the history of the spring house out in the back garden, uh, complete with a speaking tube so that you can communicate from the main house to the small structure in the back. Then wham! (laughs) Mrs. Jones just like kills the vibe when she like swats little Jess's hand as she helps herself to another cookie that's just on the dinner table. And I guess that's a bad thing to have it. I don't know. Yeah. And then she liked, then she like finishes it off by going, suppose I have to let you stay the night guest rooms on the left, mind the steps. It's a weird scene. (laughs) The, um, the other thing that she says is I hope the beer was sufficient. And then there's an awkward pause. And then Alma just says, this is a beautiful place, which is essentially just like your cooking was fucking dog shy. That but was bad. <laughs> that was bad. You fed us exclusively bread of which there's more oh on God, the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which we're not allowed we're to have. So later that evening, while everyone gets themselves ready for bed, Mrs. Jones stops by the guest room to ask if her guests need anything before bed. Cup of coffee, Wi-Fi password, oh God, back rub. So- <laughs> 
that sort of thing. Uh, no, she doesn't. She gave you a back No, no yeah. she yeah. does not. Like, insulting you the t- entire time. I hope the back rub was sufficient. <laughs> I hope the bubble bath was to the degrees that you like. <laughs> uh, she doesn't do that. She doesn't do any of that. She definitely doesn't say any kind or normal words at all. What she does say is, I hear you whispering, planning on stealing something. Oh, my God. And Elliot... Giving a convincing response goes no, ma'am. So what, <laughs> so what the, ma'am, we're what not. The fuck. Well, yeah, that is a big line. He yeah. goes mm. no, and then yeah, plan on murdering me in my sleep. What? No. <laughs> As a normal human would react to being accused of potential murder. Yeah, I, exactly. Um, we we get that she's. As she's unhinged, fine, mm-hmm. but she's also yeah. extremely lovely as well. Yes, because yeah. she's like, she's like, let them in, cooked them dinner, gave she's them like, a bed. Call yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I just kept, I wrote down three times, this woman shouldn't have these people over. And just, it was just like with every, every stage. And with Mark Wahlberg not sounding convincing at all and her like saying a very direct statement of going yep. from... You're going to kill me? You're going to kill me? Just yeah. like, oh, why? Why are you having these people over? Don't go to sleep then. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kick them out. If you are afraid for your life, <laughs> you were allowed to not have those house guests over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's the next morning and Elliot wakes up to discover that Alma and Jess aren't there, uh, but he can hear them laughing somewhere within the house. So shit's cool. Um, Elliot searches the house for Mrs. Jones, tiptoeing through the house and peeking through all the doors uh, until he finds her bedroom and he walks in, eyeing the large and deeply troubling doll that is just resting on her bed. And he stares at it for a really long time until you trying to steal my things. Oh my <laughs> so she's back. And she is angry. Yeah, she's Ooh, like, yours. she's shaking. She's so mad. Also, that 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 bit where he he says Mrs. Jones and like opens the door, walks up to the bed, and still says Mrs. Jones. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> is she the doll? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that what he's thinking? So Elliot tries to explain to Mrs. Jones about the happening that is happening, but she's had more than she can take of these strangers and their manners and their polite small talk, which as an introvert, I honestly, I, I kind of relate, so it's fine. Um, she storms out of the room and out into her front garden. Elliot chases after her saying, please hear me out. I am a teacher, but it's too late. Uh, no teacher in the world can educate this woman now. She's been got by the windy, windy trees and Elliot eventually uh, runs back inside. Uh, <laughs> he also does just kind of stand there for a while. And even once he's kind of like back inside, he only shuts the screen door. Uh, so Elliot's back inside. Uh, but Mrs. Jones, she's trying to come back inside too, through the glass window, face first. Again, mm-hmm. shit's gruesome. There's like shards of glass in her eyes and like sticking out of her forehead. It's unpleasant for sure. He hears Alma and Jess and he searches the house for them, but he only finds their voices in an empty stone room. So Alma and Jess, they're in the spring house and they're playing with frogs. That's what's going on. So... It's through the speaking tube that Elliot and Alma share a heartfelt moment uh, until they pull. Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna get so mad until they pull. Just the most like asshole move, and I hate it. So these two buttheads they walk out into the blustering wind, 
knowing full well that this is going to kill both of them and leave little mm-hmm. Jess in the spring house alone, hungry, defenseless, so that she can try to survive this nightmare without them, without anybody, without shit. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it's actually even mm-hmm. worse. They take her they, with they her. bring her with. They take the child. I was, looking, I was looking at that and I was like, this is murder? This is murder. <laughs> Who said yeah. Jess wants to die? Exactly. So this is why I like going into that theory of that they fucking hate each other. Because yeah. that speech of like the mood ring and everything. Um, Alma even says, I forgot what the colour for love was. Yeah. And then Elliot says, same. Yeah. And they both so. have a cry. And I think, okay, cool. So this is them. That's the catharsis. They've admitted that they don't love each other yep. anymore. Like they are done. That's think. it. So instead of thinking, okay, when we get out of this, we're going to go through divorce proceedings. You take Jess. No, we're going to kill each other. Yeah. On yeah. top of that, let's <laughs> also kill no the child. there's no reason to live if we're, yeah. not, if we're not in love. Jesus yeah. Christ. So they walk outside uh, down for just everybody to die. So Alma smiles when she looks down at Jess. And Jess is looking up at Alma, scared. Yeah. This girl's not yeah. stoked about Terrible. this at all. Like, she's not sure. She already misses that, like, empty spring house. Like, she was safe there. There were mm-hmm. frogs there. <laughs> she was fine. <laughs> so nothing happens. Nothing happens. Uh, and the happening has stopped happening. And it stopped happening before they walked out into the death wind. And for what reason? Who knows? And who cares? <laughs> Fast forward. Little Jess is getting ready for her first day back at school. And Elliot and Alma are now caring for her as her guardians because they've clearly proven themselves to be rational and selfless influences in this little girl's life. But why stop there? Because Alma's pregnant and we're going to raise one more child. Like, I, what? No, I can't be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> that sums up the film. But it's at it's at this moment where the it's the thing that maybe bugs me the most is where Jess just goes, I love you, Alma. And Alma's like, mm-hmm. I love you too. And it's like, okay, nobody earns this girl's love. They don't come through for no. her. No. If anything, they, they try to, to murder her. her. And it's it's yeah. just not excellent. It's just sad. Yeah. Well, it is the final few scenes. uh, And you remember Jake, the 28 year old, 15 year old, uh, the boy from Mr. (laughs) Moore's PE lesson. Um, His scientist father, Dr. Jake Sr., he's being interviewed (laughs) on TV trying to explain the cause of the happening. And then he says it was an act of nature and we'll never fully understand it. Oh, I would be so pissed if that was what they said about the coronavirus. Right. We'll never fully understand it. It's a punishment from God. Yeah. (laughs) We're still talking about this and what happened, but um, no explanations here. And uh, let's just move on. (laughs) (laughs) I've got work. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Well, Dr. Jake's dad also warns the ship might not be over. Uh, but the news anchor, he is dubious. And he adds that he could believe Dr. Jake's dad if the happening had happened anywhere else in the world. Meanwhile, in Paris, two men walk through a large park in the middle of the city. Uh, let's call these men not Claire and also not Claire. Uh, not Claire is talking about his bicycle. The two walk through the city square until also not Claire overhears a scream. He turns. Everyone is statue still. Not Claire has said the same sentence about his bicycle for the third time now. And then we watch the entire film again, but with an entirely French French cast. cast. (laughs) And that is the happening. What would you say 
was the like main take from the actors that made this film like do you think they were proud of this or do you think that they checked out at what like at a certain point yeah i know for a fact that there are at least two actors in this film who have like outspokenly said this is a bad film really mark Wahlberg being one of them he says he regrets making the film but he took it because he was pleased he wasn't playing like a cop or a thug for once he was like cool i get to play a science teacher this will be fun um and then not claire at the start of the film uh refuses to talk about this film in interviews Wow. wow. I mean, to be fair, she has very little to do with the rest of the film. Yes. <laughs> I, th- I just think the most frustrating thing about this film is that it's an, it's an admirable sentiment that people have become a threat to the planet and the plants mm. are killing uh, all of us out of self-defense. But at no point do we even suggest fixing any kind of semblance of a problem. It's like it it lasts for a day and we're over it and we carry on and we don't change anything. Mm -hmm. We're just bringing more kids into the world and we don't take any precautions and we don't, (laughs) we we don't apologize to the trees. It's just, just go back to driving cars and eating meat and it's It's, just fucking fine. It's to, to create this whole, like be careful with what you do because the planet will fight back. Yeah. Yeah. But but, but immediately is shut down by a news broadcaster who's just like, you're talking nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that's it. Well, Josh, thank nice. you so much for joining us thank on the podcast. It has been a joy. Thank you so much and a for privilege. having me. It's been amazing. This is, this is something I will remember till the day <laughs> I die. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> in sickness and in hell. So that was M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening from 2008 what did you think it's not the worst film we've seen sure it's a very bad film yes so you've told me that you've seen this film three times in the cinema which yeah I, you might be the only person to have ever done that uh possibly <laughs> i don't remember what i expected the the first time but i knew what i wanted the second and the third time and i got that because this film is just there's it's just amazing it's so much fun it's such a fun stupid little movie okay, i'm glad someone likes it and it believed in itself so much and it was so shit and, it, and i think it's great tomorrow's film oh birdemic yeah um it's not a high budget film no and it shows yeah so we will see you tomorrow tomorrow